<laughs> anyway, hello everyone. Welcome, uh, welcome to this service and to this wonderful expression of the body of Christ. I just love how geography and disease cannot separate us from one another. It's like God's kindness that allows us to be together. So I give thanks for that. And um, I am very appreciative of the opportunity to share uh, my story with you because that's really what this little, these few minutes are gonna be. I've, they're very subjective. And so when Dick asked me to kind of take the final um, message on this series of the various landscapes in the seasons of our lives, I, I listened to all the sermons and I, with every one of them, I was going, yeah, uh -huh, I can relate to that. <laughs> I've had those seasons in my life. But as I prepared for this, I just sat and looked at my own life over the course of the last year. And the Lord brought certain recollections to my memory that I want to ex um, exchange, or not exchange, but share with you as windows into how each of these seasons have been greeted by me and processed with by me and my community. And hopefully from it, you'll gain some bit of um, some tools that you can carry with you as you go forward into your own seasons. Um, so uh, I found in 2020 that it wasn't a season of one or the other. I experienced all those, <laughs> all those landscapes in my life over the, over the last, um, last 12 or months or so. And so, you know, the first, first of all, the earthquake that Dick, um, or not Dick, but someone, another one of your presenters described, you know, an earthquake is something that enters your life that you hadn't planned for. I mean, you may have prepared for it, but you can't really plan it like a literal earthquake. Um, and, but it disrupts your life. It kind of messes up your whole world. It reor you have to reorient yourself to sometimes even what is up and what is down. So these come into our lives and they are um, un usually unwanted and usually un. Um, desired, but yet nevertheless, they're here and we have to figure out how to process them and how to deal with them. So in 2020, my big earthquake was my recurrent endometrial stage four cancer, which has metastasized to my lungs. That was quite an earthquake to, um, to kind of find my footing in to know how to stand, even stand upright. Because in 2015, I was first diagnosed with this cancer and they did a surgery and removed the offending organs and said, okay, you're done, you should be good. And I trusted that. And then in 2019, a couple of years ago, oops, it came back, it recurred again. And so they did radiation and after you know months of radiation and a lot of pain and discomfort, they go, okay, well, you're done, just check up every so often. So I checked up every so often. And then um, the fall of last year, the early fall, they discovered that it had recurred a third time. So now I just finished the process just last Friday, not this Friday, but a week ago Friday of um, the chemo process that I went through. And in a few weeks, I'll have another CT scan and they'll determine the efficacy of, of the treatment and then make steps to go forward. Because when the doctor first described the pro my prognosis to me about this cancer, he used the word, he actually used the word incurable which was quite daunting and quite an earthquake. And some of you may have lived with such an experience in your own life or someone you love's life, but it kind of knocks the wind out of your sails, so to speak. Um, 
So I'm having to continue to figure out how to find my footing in this earthquake. And recovering from it is um, a slow process. It's not like a one and done kind of thing. And it's not like it's linear. It's, you know, these seasons of our lives, these landscapes do not just happen in a row. Okay, mark that off my list, move on to the next one. You can experience, uh, in my experience, all of them at once or stacked on top of each other. Or one minute I could be experiencing a, a eruption, a sweet moment with Jesus. And the next minute I'm like, Oh, I have no energy. I'm so, my life feels so flat and I feel totally eroded. You can't predict them. And the thing about not being able to predict them that I find good is that then I can't necessarily blame myself if my life is, feels flat, you know, it's, and I can't all give myself a lot of credit if suddenly I'm experiencing the joy of the Lord. They're all um, something that happens in my world that I have to welcome and manage and figure out how to, how to deal with. So um, I'd like to begin by talking about this. Um, oh, let me tell you, first of all, I'm taking a class um, an, on the internet and it's called, I think it's called the, the Midwinter God, how to make room in your life for griefs that remain there even after years or for losses that seem to not get smaller or when you're, when you feel like your life is in a winter phase, like it's dark and it's, there's not much energy or there's not much uh, life. I'm taking a class on this. This is not a fun class to take necessarily, but it's very helpful. But one of the things that this teacher has had us um, pray with is um, this, this question. Um, do I have the means to share my screen? I'm gonna try it, let's see what happens. Okay, I can, good. So um, when the teacher asked us this question to ponder and pray about, and the question was, what is my relationship with the winter or the lament or the grief in my life? And when I prayed with that question, I took to my sketch pad and my colored pencils, and obviously I'm not an artist, you can see by looking at my illustration, but I was shocked by, um, even in the season of this eruption, or excuse me, this earthquake, I was shocked by a sense of well-being that I had in relationship to the storm that's raging about me. Because I felt, as you can see, oops, let me use my thing. As you can, you may not be able to tell, this is me lying on a pallet contained in a snow globe where the storm is raging. And all of this, all of my life experience, all my situation right now is held in the loving hands of Jesus. And there's, you can't see it probably, but there's a little smile on my face. I feel totally at peace. And these multicolored little spirals shooting up that are holding up my palate are the prayers of the saints that are holding me. And so even though there's, there's a storm raging in my life and my earth, my life feels like very full of, um, earthquake rumbles. Nevertheless, I am held in peace. And this is a picture of the way in which God brings eruptions into our lives. He surprises us. You're going, wait, where did that come from? I don't expect to feel at peace in the midst of the storm that's all around me. But nevertheless, by God's kindness, I do. You get a glimpse of God's glory. You get a, like a little kiss on the cheek from, from your heavenly father. And it really kind of allows you to um, hang on. I, I, I hang on to this moment. I keep it 
open in my journal because there are moments I don't feel so peaceful and I go, oh yes, this is my true story. This is who God is to me. This is who I can be in relationship to the storm in my life. This is who's supporting me and who I can count on. It gives me the occasion to um, remain grateful and um, to embrace these eruptions, even in the midst of these storms. I, um, the other thing that I've discovered is in, uh, as I've weathered this earthquake that's come up in my life is a hunger at moments, a hunger to dig deeper into God's word. And I have been writing for a while, but I've been more earnest about it since this pandemic. And then since I've got sick and, and my days are numbered, you know, who knows how many days I literally have. I've been uh, more earnest about putting to paper, uh, putting on paper my thoughts about the scriptures. So currently I'm working on writing a devotional on, based on the gospel of Mark. So I've had so much fun excavating the gospel of Mark, getting out my thesauruses and my Greek dictionaries and cross-referencing different phrases and then sitting and pondering and meditating on it and asking God to bring images or, or um, stories that illustrate that point that really kind of helped me um, put into words in a compelling, encouraging way what God is working in my life. So I've had so much fun excavating the word of God and finding such jewels in, in the gospels. So I encourage you, even if whatever season you're in, to um, find a, a moment, find a way, find a time to dig into God's word. And we, as we've been encouraged to do previously through the messages that we've received. Um, so the, the four E's that we've been given to ponder the landscape of our soul are the um, earthquake, erosion, which I'm gonna get into in a second, um, eruptions, and then excavation. These four E's really help us understand our own spiritual journey and where what we can do to help kind of welcome them, if you will, and then not waste them, you know, to make sure that they're useful in God's hands in our lives. So it, it's, a, it's a helpful template for us to kind of ponder our life and consider our life. And I know that each of us have been, or some of us have been given tools to consider that over the course of the last few weeks, you know, the handouts that Tika's given you in your discussion groups. It's always good to sit and look back and let the Lord bring to our remembrance these different um, seasons of our lives. But there's one more E that I want to share with you, and I'm going to literally put it on my screen and share it with you. One more E that is a useful tool for whatever season you find your life in. And um, it's the one thing, hold on. It's the one thing, in fact, it's everything we need to make sure that we're allowing um, the spirit of God to work jewels in our lives that will grace our crown that one day we can set at the feet of Jesus. That E is for, is the everything that we need to have in our toolbox is to, as Paul, the apostle Paul encouraged us, in everything, in everything, give thanks. Everything. All, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's pleasant, whether it's unpleasant, whether you like it, whether you don't like it, whatever the situation, learn, train yourself at giving thanks. And um, I discovered that um, my capacity to give thanks in all my situation, whatever situation I found myself, was increased when I remembered and I trusted 
that God is always good and God is con God's love is constantly coming toward me, constantly working in my, for my benefit. Remembering those, whatever the situation I find myself in or whatever situation you find yourself in, remembering those will help you say, I don't know what you're up to, God, but you're up to something. <laughs> so I'm going to thank you for being with me in this situation, for opening these doors. I'm going to find a way to thank you. Now, um, in my situation, I'm waiting, as you know, um, as I mentioned, I'm waiting for, I'm stopping my sharing for a second. I'm waiting for the results of my CT scan. And waiting is really hard. That's the hard, one of the hardest things in life. And giving thanks while you're waiting is extremely hard. But I found giving thanks um, allows, I mean, it doesn't necessarily change the situation that I'm in. It doesn't hurry the results up. It doesn't necessarily um, change the outcome of the results, but it does change me. And it changes my relationship to the situation I'm facing and the, and the trial or, you know, the circumstance I find myself in. It, um, when I remember that, you know, God is up to something, I can relax. You know, I can trust that God knows what God's doing. And I can, when I relax and I trust, I can, instead of focus on what, what's, what's lacking in my life, you know, the, the outcome of this, this test or good health, Instead of focusing on what's lacking, I can focus on what is present for me. And it's at this point when I remember many Psalms, but I remember in particular Psalm 40, where the psalmist says, um, I waited patiently, and then I hear in my head this little drum roll, I waited patiently, bang, for the Lord. Not for the outcome of an event, not for a change in circumstance, but I waited patiently for the Lord. And I thought, what's up with this? Because isn't the Lord already with me? Doesn't the Lord live inside me? What's up with this waiting business, you know, and trusting and all this? And I, it came to me that it must be, I must be waiting not for God's presence in my life, but for God's action in my life, for God to do something within me. And since I believe in God's primary intention for us to be is to be conformed to the image of Christ and to be united in love with the Trinity, that everything, everything God does or doesn't do in my life must be useful toward that end in God's hands in, in my life. So God knows what needs to happen in my life to refine my character so that I can bear the eternal weight of glory he's preparing for me. Or he knows what jewels are left unmined inside my soul. Um, mind, M-I-N-E-D, jewels, unmined, that need to be um, dug out, polished, set out for to be enjoyed and to, for their beauty to gleam. God knows, I don't. So this allows me to just say, okay, I'm going to trust, I'm going to wait. I'm going to believe God is good. And there, I found that there are three things I'm going to share again, uh, three things that help me be, be more able and ready to give thanks if I remember these three things. And they are, oops, sorry. Number one, God is love, period. Meaning God cannot not love. Love is God's character. It cannot be turned off or on as it can in humans. God's love is constant. It's, it's um, the pressure is even. It's not like a, 
your wa water faucet where you can turn it on or off or turn it hot or cold. It's constant, it's always, it's pervasive, it's, it's forever. God is love. When I remember God is, God's love is at work, I can take a breath and relax in whatever situation I find my life, which if it feels my, like my life is eroding and I don't have energy for anything or I don't have a lot of spiritual fervor, God's working in this. I can trust that. And secondly, love always works for the good of the beloved. Love always, always works for the good of the beloved. God is always and constantly working for our benefit, for your benefit, and for our completion. You know, um, they say, I mean, parents will do anything for their children, right? And they're, they're constantly doing whatever they feel is best for the benefit of their child. And unfortunately, our parents and us are not perfect. So the best we know for them is not always the best for them. But our God it's a perfect parent and God knows absolutely what is best for us. And God is working in our lives to help bring that about in our lives. When I remember that love, God's love is always working for my good. Again, I can take a breath. I can relax. I can trust God knows what God's up to. I don't need to manage it or take control of it. And thirdly, God holds the ultimate power. God holds ultimate power. God could change the circumstances of your life or of my life if it suited God's plan for our completion in love. So remembering that today I could be sick, tomorrow I could get my CAT scan back and they could say, it's gone. You, you, know, you, you can just relax and just maintain healthy habits and keep checking up and you just don't need to worry. I can trust that God could do that if God wanted to, but if that's not the case, it gives me more occasion to uh, live in the um, trust of God, in God's trust. And I have a favorite quote, which many of you have, some of you who have been around me, and many of you who have been around me for any event or whatever, you're going, that quote again? And I'm going, yes, that quote again, because it's my favorite quote, and it perfectly sums up why we can trust God in these situations where we feel as if um, our prayers aren't being answered or we're in these trials. It's by Hannah Whittle Smith from her book, The Unselfishness of God. And she says, it is no matter who starts our trial, whether man or devil, or even our own foolish selves, if God permits it to reach us, God has by this permission made the trial his own and will turn it, it and will turn it for us into a chariot of love, which will carry our souls to a place of blessing that we could not have reached in any other way. Read that in. If you want a copy of that quote, um, contact me and I'll email it to you or text it to you because I think that's worth making a wallpaper out of. <laughs> so, um, so basically when God permits any trial to enter our life, wherever it's source, if it's from outside ourselves, like if someone has done wrong to us and we're suffering because of that, or if there's some organizational or societal system that's oppressing us, or if the trial we're experiencing is because something that comes at us that's unexpected or unexplained, like disease or natural disaster, or you know, um, your company selling, firing you, or something, you know, something that you had nothing to do with, but nevertheless, you're going to have to deal with it. If if God lets your trial, if your trial comes to you through that means, or this one I appreciate a lot, if our trial comes to us because of our own foolish choices, whether we've made bad decisions or, you know, 
you know, made a, a wrong turn someplace and now we're suffering a trial, if it was our own fault, if God permits this trial to enter our life, God has made it God's own and will um, commit, has committed to making it the means by which we can be carried into the very heart of God. That's golden. That paragraph, that sentence is golden. So I just totally encourage you to take a screenshot or whatever you could do to keep that in your mind. Um, so um, let me, I think I'm going to quit sharing now. Thank you for your patience. Um, so we're told that we should give thanks in all things. And it makes me wonder, why should I give thanks in all things? And um, I think of, well, here, I'm going to share again. The I can think of a couple of reasons why we should give thanks. One is it gets, as I mentioned earlier, alluded to earlier, it gets our focus on God and off of us and off of our circumstances. It, it prevents us from fretting and being irritable because we're trusting God has a plan. So it gets our attention onto God. And when we give thanks to God in situations where we're experiencing eruptions, you know, joyful moments in our lives, it keeps us humble because we know I didn't do anything to deserve this kiss from God's heart. Um, when we give thanks to God in situations that are difficult, what it does, which is amazing, it gives us power over the situation. We are not its victim. We become its um, de determiner of where this difficult situation is going to take us. Um, I think of that story um, that Corey Tinboom, excuse me, Corey Tinboom, uh, records in her book *The Hiding Place* about how she and her sister were um, prisoners in the Nazi concentration camp for hiding Jews, and they had this terrible situation, obviously. But Betsy, her sister, encouraged them to give thanks for the barracks, give thanks that they were there, give thanks for the fleas that crowded them and bit them 24 hours a day. And Corey couldn't get her mind around giving thanks for, she goes, okay, maybe, but the fleas, come on, give me a break. And so, but her sister convinced her, so they began thanking God for these fleas. And you, you'll probably remember the story, but months later, they discovered that their barracks was the only one that was not frequented by guards and by... Um, you know, they're, they're captors because of the fleas. The fl guards wouldn't enter it because they didn't want to have to bother with the fleas. So because of those fleas, Corey and her sister got all this freedom to pray together, to minister to this other women in the barracks. So giving things for those fleas gave them power to um, rise above their circumstances. And in retrospect, they recognized what a gift those fleas were, even though it was a very trying experience for them. Um, so the other thing about uh, giving thanks is what I found is I, it, it's a muscle that we have to practice, that we have to develop. And giving thanks creates this memory, this muscle memory that allows us to be more thankful. Gratitude begets gratitude. Giving thanks makes us more capable of giving thanks. So I have to ask myself at this point, if we're, uh, if it's, commanded that we give thanks all the time and we want to do what God wants us to do, why is it so difficult? Why is it so hard to give thanks in all circumstances, whatever they may be? And I think the easy answer is because we don't like it. We want our situation to be different. If we were running the world, we wouldn't put ourselves in this predicament. Um, 
so we would we would want to avoid the negative emotions or the negative the painful physical um, things that we're experiencing or the spiritual dryness or depth that we're experiencing we would run away from that um, so it's hard to stay still in those moments and to give thanks in those moments um, so but then my next question is why is it necessary i mean why should we give thanks it's it's hard but why we should give thanks and i keep in mind that hannah whittle smith quote again we should it's necessary to give thanks because um we remember that God didn't create our situation that we're in necessarily, but God can definitely use our situation toward our good, toward God's goal in our lives. In fact, passing through these trials, if you will, is the very um, path of our transformation. It's the means by which the uh, refuse of our life is eroded and the jewels of our life are revealed. I love the Psalm. I'm gonna share it with you again. Psalm, I'll share it with you, share my screen again. Psalm 84, this passage from Psalm 80, or these verses from Psalm 84 verses five through seven. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now, one of the reasons I really, really cherish this psalm is it the psalmist is telling us how to be happy, how to be blessed, how to make sure we're on the right road. And it's by um, recognizing that where our strength comes from. Our strength to live this life comes from our creator, from the one who empowers us to take each step we take. And here's the phrase I really love. It's given to those of us who have set our hearts on the pilgrimage. This is the NIV version. Not the ones who hurry up and want to get to Zion, who want the, the day to be done, who want the, the, the road to be traveled and we're finished with it, but to the ones who are present to the pilgrimage, who step by step live it out and welcome it and say, I remember this is doing a good work in my life. I'm glad you're with me in it, God. They're not eager to escape it. They have their hearts set on taking the journey, trusting that the journey will provide in them the strength and the uh, power for transformation that the Lord has promised. And I, as they pass through these valleys, this Valley of Baca means a bitter, basically a bitter valley. As they pass through these places that are bitter, they, these bitter places are transformed into places where there are springs, where there's rain, where there's refreshment, where there's a cooling um, uh, shower of blessing. Even though they're in a bitter place, they have this sense of well-being as they're traveling through this. And it says they go from strength to strength till each appears before Zion. And I just love the... Um, apostle or the disciple who was wise enough to call himself the blessed or the loved, beloved disciple John where he tells us that um, uh, when we see him we will be like him and so as we pass through these valleys and we keep our eyes focused on our end goal not wishing our life away but recognizing where we're headed with each step we take, we're going to have strength to become more and more like the Jesus we love. We will be like him at the end of the road.
which is very comforting. And it gives me a lot of reasons to thank God for these situations I find myself in that I would not necessarily choose. <coughs> so um, I'm going to leave this. Well, I'll stop it for a second. So now I'm going to share with you a very explicit um, example of something that is eroding my life currently and for the last couple of years. And I hope I don't offend your sensibilities when I tell you what it is, because it is a rather offensive situation I find myself in. So forgive me in advance if this um, offends your ears, but since I've gone through radiation, I have literally been plagued with diarrhea. It is my captor. It holds me back. I can't relax. It makes me, it humiliates me. It embarrasses me. It makes me feel ashamed. It makes me um, apologize for my experience to poor Jack. You know, it's terrible. I hate it, but yet it's plagued me for the last two years. And I have to figure out how to give thanks in this situation. And so once again, I went back to my class that I was telling you about this uh, midwinter class. And the teacher asked us to pray about this this question, where are the places of grief within you? Where are the losses that still ache in your heart? And how might I create a hospitable space for these that I want to move through me? So again, sorry, back to my journal, which I'm not an artist, but I'll share it with you just the same. Um, in my journal, <laughs> this is, I'm a little embarrassed to share this with you, but I will do it just the same. Um, in this journal, here's a picture of the grief that's within me. It's a big old pile of you know what. And as you can see, it's pouring out of me into this big old pile. So I have to figure out what to do with this, how to live with this, how to give thanks in this situation. Sorry. So what I did is I kind of wrote a prayer or an ode or a tribute, if you will, to this D. And here it is, as you can see, it's in my journal written right here. In praise of D, I'm going to call it D. You teach me I am not in control. These are the things that this situation or this um, uh, symptom is teaching me that I can give thanks for. You teach me that I am not in control. I am not master of my own life. Something other than me has the final say. You push me to cling to Jesus when I suffer. You, and for that... How can I not give thanks? Anything that enters my world that forces me to recognize my dependence on the Lord and to cling to Jesus for strength to process it in my world, that's thanksworthy. Thank you for teaching me that, Dee, even though I hate you. It also cleanses me from toxins. You know, it, it works through me. It does its job. It's the purpose of those whole that whole movement is to get rid of the things in your body that might hurt you or aren't there for your good. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you that you want me clean, that you want me whole. Thank you. That's your goal for me too, Jesus. Thank you. I can give praise to thee because of that. And this next one, you remind me of my past brokenness I still carry. And again, you push me to Jesus. When I get in touch with my grief over this situation and this um, symptom, when I'm suffering, when I'm in pain, when I'm locked up in my house because I'm afraid to go out. 
it reminds me of other griefs in my life, of other losses in my life where I have the same emotional reaction. And it forces me to say, Jesus, I'm still wounded in these areas. Can you keep healing, keep up at healing me in these places? So this D forces me to, again, hang on to Jesus and beg for God's mercy and kindness. So thank you, D. It teaches, this is a good one. It teaches me to respond quickly to the nudge of my body. <laughs> I can't ignore it. I have to win. It hits, I have to do something about it. And I pray that this quick response would transfer to my response to the nudges of the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh. If I was quick to re react obediently to the Spirit's nudges, this world would be a much better place. <laughs> there would be lots more blessings flowing from me. So I just pray that this, this, this teaches me to pay more attention to the nudges of the Spirit in my life because the Spirit wants me to act in kindness and in love and in justice. And then finally, and this is the sweet one, um, you return me to infancy when I needed to be cleaned. I can't read my, I, your faces are covering it. When I need to be cleaned, oh, uh, sung to, held when I was unaware of my, when, excuse me, you return me to infancy when I needed to be cleaned, clung, sung to, oh golly. Can you all see this? Yeah, still? Yeah, okay. Um, held when I was unaware of my bodily functions and I knew only the security of being cared for and adored. I mean, as I prayed through this, I ended up creating this picture of a mother embracing her swaddled infant and rocking her and singing to her and the infant being unaware of what was happening in her body, only knowing that she was held and loved and provided for. This symptom that I have reminds me of that. And I have to thank it for that purpose. And when I go to that place of um, infancy or childlikeness, it takes me to the psalm that we read earlier this morning. Oops, sorry. Psalm 131, which, my, which is my heart's goal. Oh Lord, I, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy, occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I've calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, my soul is like the weaned child that is with me. Oh Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. When we are really believing that God is good all the time and God's love is always working for our good at all times, we can rest in our parents' perfect arms. We can trust that God knows what God's up to and we can let it be. So I conclude my time with you by offering this word of encouragement. It's kind of talking about the landscapes of our life in a, using the calendar season. So I'll just finish this and then I'll pray a word of blessing. Jesus ushers in the year of the Lord's favor. Not the moment, nor the day, nor even the week, but the year. This promises that every season of your life will be covered with the Lord's favor over you. The springs of your life, when all is fresh, new, bursting with life and energy. The summers, when life is slower and warmth has its healing and nurturing way in the earth and in your soul. The autumns, when death, 
disguised in beauty and brilliance is mingled with the abundance of a hard earned harvest. And even the winters, when you experience coldness, emptiness, and are tempted to doubt the coming again of spring, all seasons of your life come and go under the watchful and attending God of heaven and earth. All are opportunities to receive God's favor. Amen. So Lord, thank you that um, we are never alone in our whatever season we find ourselves, whatever landscape surrounds us. Your presence accompanies us. Your spirit strengthens us. We can walk in confidence that you have a plan and we can trust you for that plan. Work these truths deep into our hearts and our minds. Build muscle in us that remembers your goodness and your loving kindness. Help us to always, even though we don't get it, give thanks. For this is your will in Christ Jesus in our lives. We thank you again. Amen. Thank you all.